I got a question for you today. Uh, it's kind of a, it's, 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 it's a simple question, but it's not an easy question. I'm just going to confess that right up front. And the question is this. If I were to ask you to define for me the purpose of Prairie Bible Church, what would you say? Now, I, I'll, I'll confess to you right up front that that's the kind of question if somebody were to ask you, like, what is love, right? You say, oh, I know it when I see it, I just don't know how to define it. I get that. But if I were to push, and you were required to come up with some kind of an answer, what would it be? What do you believe is the purpose of Prairie Bible Church? We have been um, um, tossing that question around in staff meeting uh, the last several weeks. And um, it's our, our worship guy, Adam, actually came up with what I think is the perfect definition of the purpose of, of Prairie Bible Church. And basically what he said was this. He said, the purpose of Prairie Bible Church, you, is, to, is simple worship, authentic discipleship, and to serve like Jesus. What do you think about that? You like that? I like that. Um, it, it, it describes... You see, if, if I were to have pushed you any further, some of you may have looked around and, and saw somebody wearing a t-shirt like the one I'm wearing, and you might have said, well, the purpose of Prairie Bible Church is simple, authentic Jesus, and I wouldn't have argued if that's what you came up with because it's on our t-shirt, right? Um, but the description that we have on our t-shirts is really uh, a description of who we are, not a description of our purpose. The purpose would be, if this is who we are, how is it lived out? So you go from who you are to living out who you are. That's the real question. And this morning, for those of you who are guests or visitors with us, um, as we start 2023, that what we're going to be doing the whole year is looking at the parables of Jesus. And the parable that we're going to be looking at today actually is asking that very question. What is your purpose? Not just who you are, but what does it look like for you to live in to who you are, to your purpose? We're going to be looking at that today uh, and a couple other things that I think that maybe this parable is trying to teach us that maybe you haven't seen before as well. So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up to Matthew chapter 5. If you're using the, the uh, church Bibles, that's on page 962. And as Pastor Billy likes to say, uh, if you need a Bible, take it. We love it when, when uh, Bibles go missing here at Prairie Bible Church, because we've got a whole bunch of them. Uh, you, if you need one, take it home with you and we'll replace it, okay? Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse... on. Uh, um, look on 962, and while you're looking that up, let me give you just a little bit of a context for what we're going to be looking at today. What we find as we start here in Matthew chapter 5 is we find, the context is that Jesus is in the midst of telling a sermon or giving a sermon. It's probably his most famous sermon. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, like any other um, sermon, has various parts to it. The particular part that comes just before the part we're going to be looking at today, the parable that we're going to be looking at today, is a, a section of the Sermon on the Mount which is known as the Beatitudes. 
Now, that's probably not a word that you use a lot in your lives. Basically, the word beatitudes means uh, the blessings. And what, you, what you'll discover as you look at the first part of Matthew chapter 5, as you read the beatitudes, is what G, you boil it down, and basically what you've got is a collection of adjectives and verbs. Basically, what you'll see here is that Jesus is describing the people who are blessed... And then he describes, in some of the other ones, what blessed people do. You need to hear that. He's describing an adjective, who they are, and he's describing what they do. What do blessed people do? They go together. All right. It's important that you remember that part as we move into um, our parable for today, which is known as the parable of salt and light. Now, I'm going to make a confession to you right up front. I've been a pastor for a very long time. And I, I, I think maybe last week is the first time I actually read Matthew chapter 5. Some of you are sitting back, what kind of a pastor are you? Right? Right? Here, now, just stay with me for a second. Uh, let me explain. The truth of the matter is, I've read Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, and this parable, I don't know, hundreds of times in my life, quite honestly. In fact, it's been so powerful to me that much of Matthew chapter 5, I have decided, I made the decision years ago to commit it to my, to, they're part of my memory verses. So I know I could, I could recite much of this, including this parable, by memory. So when I say that last week was the first time I actually read it, you know what I mean? Have you ever, have you ever read something in the Bible and you go, you know you've read it a thousand times and you're going, oh my gosh, how did I never see that before? That's exactly what happened to me. I'm sitting and I'm reading this parable and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit at work in you, listen to me now, the Word of God is, a, is living and powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, the Scripture says. And the Holy Spirit is is alive in the midst of the living Word. And He will constantly be bringing up new things that you've never seen before if you're paying attention. So if you ever get to the point where you think, oh, I've done that, I don't need it. Stop it. You ain't that smart. Right? You're not. That's what happened to me last week. The Holy Spirit... You see, every time I've read this parable, which is known as the parable of salt and light, I've... I've, I've thought that the parable was about salt and light. <laughs> How about you? I mean, think about it. You know what a parable is? Remember what a parable is? A parable is, is a story that Jesus tells to illustrate a deeper truth. So actually what he was doing here is he was using the analogy of salt and light to describe a deeper truth. He was using the analogy of salt and light to say this is what a Christian is like. So when he says that a Christian is like salt, he's saying that uh, the analogy is that you, you are called to bring flavor to the world. You are called to, to cause the world to thirst for the hope of the gospel. Do you do that for people? You cause people to thirst for Jesus. 
Uh, and that, the other analogy is that Christians are called to be light, right? We are called to be the light of the world. We are called to shine the light of God into the darkness of the world. We are called to shine the light of God upon Jesus and upon the hope of the gospel. That is our calling, right? So the, the, the parable of salt and light is beautiful. The analogies of salt and light are beautiful. But the more I... The closer I looked at this parable this week, the more I'm going, oh my gosh. Is the purpose of the parable salt and light really salt and light? Well, let's see. If you got your Bibles open, you can read up on the screen if you don't. Let's read it together. It says this. It says, you are the salt of the earth. When he says you, who's he talking about? He's talking about you. <laughs> Complicated, right? You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? Think about that for a second. If you are the salt of the earth, what happens if if you've lost your saltiness? It's no longer of any good except to be thrown out and trampled under the feet of people. And then he goes on. He goes on to the next part of the analogy or the next part of the parable. He says, you are the light of the world. A city built on a hill, shall not be hidden. Continue. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. You are the light of the world. It's not, you are not to hide your light. You're, you're to share your light, right? In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, the things that you do. And give glory to God, to the Father who is in heaven. So, the parable of salt and light is about salt and light. It's it's right there, right? But it's about more than that. Those did you notice the other parts? He he described who you are. You are salt and light. You are, you are to cause people to... But he describes an adjective, but he also is describing the verb. And he's asking, are you, are you verbing? Right? Those of you who are teachers, I apologize. But that's exactly... I mean, if you make it stupid for people like me, that's what he's saying. Are you verbing? Are you acting upon your purpose? And then he takes it even a little bit deeper and he goes from preaching to meddling because he goes from he ask, asking, are you verbing to, because if you're not, you're wasting your time. Know what he's saying? Salt that has lost its flavor, that isn't verbing, that isn't fulfilling its purpose, is useless. Light that isn't illuminating the darkness. So the purpose of the parable of salt and light is is to describe, yes, who you are, but it's also to ask you the question, are you living into your purpose? Are you verbing? Are you acting upon your your purpose? 
Or are you just pretending? Okay, that brings me back to that original question that I brought up this morning, right? What is the purpose of Prairie Bible Church? And we discovered that the purpose of Prairie Bible Church is three things, according to Adam. Simple worship, authentic discipleship, and serving like Jesus. Simple, authentic Jesus describes who we are. Worship, discipleship, and service describes what we are called to, called to do. To worship, to grow as disciples, and to serve. So, we have the adjective, describes who we are. And then we have the verb, what we are called to do. So what does that look like? So if that's, if that's our purpose, what should that look like in Prairie Bible Church, which is you. Well, let's look at simple worship first. Um, simple worship looks like this. What we're doing right now. And what, what I will have you notice about, the, uh, if this is your first time with us here at Prairie Bible, you, um, I'll just tell you right up front, basically our worship services consist of two things. Worship through praise and, and, and praise music, right? And studying God's Word. Simple worship. Now, a lot of other churches, if you've been to other churches, um, they have lots of other elements to their worship. Nothing wrong with those things. Maybe it's liturgy or responsive readings. Maybe it's uh, um, um, plays or videos. Or There's lots of other elements of worship that other churches use. For the most part, we focus on praise and digging into the Word. Simple worship. That's what it looks like in us. Now, what I, what I need to remind you of is that simple worship in, through prairie, in, as part of Prairie Bible isn't something that only happens on Sunday morning, though. Simple worship is actually has the potential, anyway, to be every simple thing that you do in your life if you're doing it for Jesus. If you're doing what you do for Jesus, it is a simple act of worship. You're going to work, go to work or to school tomorrow. Your work and school has the potential to be an act of worship if you're doing it for Jesus. Everything has the potential to be a simple act of worship. Alright, so what does authentic discipleship look like if you're a part of Prairie Bible Church? The word to be a disciple of Christ means to be a follower of Jesus. It means to be uh, actively growing to become um, more like Jesus. So what does that look like here? Well, we encourage everybody that is a part of Prairie Bible Church to uh, do daily devotions. We encourage you to set aside every day time, dedicated time, just for you and the Lord. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. Did you know just hanging out with somebody will change you? Just hanging out with somebody will cause you to be like that somebody. Like I told him at first service, is that my, my brother is a pastor too. If you were to see him preach, you would say, he has a lot of the same mannerisms as Craig does. And you want to know why? Because he's my brother. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? That when you were in relationship with someone, you, you know, you have, that's just the way it is. When you're in relationship with spending time with Jesus, you're going to become more like Jesus. Just being with him. 
spending time talking to Him, looking in Scripture. Another very practical way that we here at Prairie Bible encourage people to live into authentic discipleship is we encourage everybody to be a part of a life group. We call them life groups here. And basically, it's small groups. Um, we're only five years old as a church, but we've grown to the point where we, don't, we can't know everybody. I don't even know everybody. Um, so it's important for us to encourage people. You don't have to. But we encourage everybody to be a part of a life group, that, to do life together, to know, to be in relationship together. And just being together will cause you to be more like Jesus if the people you're being doing life together are like Jesus, right? So we need, we encourage people to be a part of a life group. If you want to be a part of a life group, come and see me and I'll help you get connected, okay? Um, we also have another authentic example of, of growing to be more like Jesus. We have Bible studies, all, all kinds of Bible studies. And different, depending on where you're at in your walk, if, you, if you're ready to go deep into the Word, we've got Bible studies like that. If, you, if you're just new to the faith, or you're just right now just starting to kind of wanting to take it serious, we've got entry-level Bible studies too that we can get you hooked up with. We've got another example of authentic discipleship is, is every Tuesday night, right back there in the back corner, we have a, uh, a prayer gathering. And um, we, we pray for all of you. We pray for the world. We um, pray for each other. That is an example of living into authentic discipleship. You don't have to do all those things, but those things are examples of things, of verbs. Living into your purpose. And finally, we serve like Jesus. What does that look like? Well, I saw multiple examples of that today. I saw people standing at the doors, greeting all of you as you came in. Greeting people on a Sunday morning is an example of serving like Jesus because that's what Jesus would do. He would welcome people in to His house, to His home. I saw examples of, of um, serving like Jesus in our praise team. They were using their gifts and graces, right? The things that God blessed them with to be a blessing to others. They were serving like Jesus. But again, don't fall into the trap of believing that serving like Jesus only happens on Sunday morning. It should be happening all the time. It happens when you are um, picking up food at the grocery store to give to a homeless shelter. We talked about that earlier today too, didn't we? It happens um, when you're, if you're a, called to be a foster parent. It happens when you um, shovel the walk of the widow lady across the street. You see what I'm saying? Because that's what Jesus would do. If you think, if you limit serving like Jesus just to stuff we do here in your church, you're doing it wrong. That is not the way it's supposed to be. The stuff we do on Sunday mornings or the things we do as part of the church family, that's awesome. But it's even more awesome when the world gets to see Jesus in you. What does that Scripture say? When they see your good works, they will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. They'll look at you. They'll see you 
living into your purpose, and they'll go, why are they doing that? And you'll be able to say, I do that because I love Jesus. So here's my question. This is when I'm going to go from preaching to meddling, so get ready. If you are on trial, you ever heard this saying? Kind of silly, but you'll get my point. If you were on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Or are you just pretending? Because if all you're doing is reading your Bible and you're not doing, it's not enough. If all you're doing is coming to church on a Sunday morning and singing a a, a nice praise song, that's good, but it's not enough. It wouldn't be enough to convict you. It's all that. It's Jesus doing, being through you. That's what will bring glory to the Father and that's what will change the world. You know, if Jesus, the evidence that Jesus, the first thing that Jesus is looking for when when He comes to determining whether or not there's enough evidence to convict you, the first thing that He's going to look for is whether or not you have actively chosen to submit to Him as Lord. Have you done that? Every week I ask people that question. You say, I've heard it. Move on. I'm not going to move on. And the reason why I'm not going to move on, the reason why I'm going to ask whether you have taken that action every week until the day the Lord is done with me is because every week, it seems, I'll go back to that prayer room and somebody who maybe I've been worshiping with for a week or six months or five years will come in and say, you know, I need to make that decision today. See, I don't know what you have done. So I'm just going to presume that maybe you haven't. And every week I'm going to ask you. And if you have, forgive me. And if you haven't, listen to me. Because you need to. That's where it starts. So what does it look like to accept Jesus as your Lord? It's pretty simple. It's confessing that you are a sinner. You are a sinner. Listen to me. You're a sinner, and so am I. And then, knowing that you need to be forgiven and asking for it. And instantaneously, you are. Because the work that is necessary for you to be forgiven has already been done on the cross. He's been waiting all this time for you just to receive it, to actively pursue it. And then once you've been confessed your sin, your sinfulness, and you've been forgiven, He then says, now, let me come in. Let me come in and sit on the throne in your heart because you've got one. And we human beings like to sit there ourselves. And He's asking. He's not requiring. He's asking, would you get up and let me sit there? Would you let me sit on the throne of your heart? Would you be obedient to me? Rather than what you want, would you, would you be obedient to what I want? That's what it means to have Jesus as Lord. And see, you can't have Him as your Savior without having Him as your Lord.
They have to go together. That is a prayer that you can pray right now. Or you can wait and go home and do it. If you'd like some help praying that prayer, you don't need me, but if you'd like some help praying that prayer, right over there is um, our prayer room. And it'd be my privilege to pray that prayer with you today. Um, if there's other things going on in your life that you would like the encouragement of a brother to pray alongside of you with, I'll be right over there.